Okay, good morning, everybody. Again, I know I said that once already. Let's go ahead and get started. So I don't know about you, but, and I realize that not everybody loves football or pays attention to it. Um, so last night I'm laying in bed, and, and of course the Husker game didn't start. Most everybody knows that the lightning storm canceled the game, and, and Jasmine asked me, she's like, if they start at like 11 o'clock, are you going to stay up and watch it? And I said, yes, I am. I'm going to get my sermon done right now so that I can stay up and watch the game. And then I was laying in bed just kind of getting ready, and, and uh, I flipped through Twitter, and it says, they're going to play the game at 10.30 a.m. And I thought, nobody's coming to church tomorrow. That was my first thought. My second thought was, I'm not going to get to see the game. <laughs> my third thought, as I told Jessica this morning, is maybe we could just put it up on the screen, right? <laughs> but alas, they canceled it, and so no football. Kind of a, a, a ho-hum start to the year. But anyway, um, so this is my first official sermon since um, not being on staff at Finding Life Church. This is kind of a unique thing. Now I'm not a pastor, I'm just a guy. Um, just a guy. Um, but I don't know, I guess I always kind of felt like I was just a guy because, uh, you know, I didn't go to seminary when I was younger and I don't have the formal training and all that kind of stuff. So I always kind of felt like, like I was just a guy. But anyway, um, I asked Kevin if he had any thoughts on what he want, wanted me to share this morning. And uh, he said, you know what would be good is to just go up and kind of give everybody a little bit of an update, like, on what's been happening with you these past four weeks, because I made a pretty big transition, life transition, career transition, and it, he thought it might be good for me to, to share this. So um, at this point, I think most everybody knows this, but about four weeks ago, I decided to transition off the staff at Finding Life Church and didn't have anything to do with the church or you guys or Kevin or any of that kind of stuff. Um, I'm still very involved. Obviously, I'm preaching today. I, I, I help with setup. I, I do volunteer schedules, and I'm on the elder team and, and all that kind of good stuff. So it has nothing to do with any of that. It mostly had to, had to do with the way that I believe God has wired me and what God has given me a passion for. And really, at the end of the day, what I believe God's calling me to do is to be out in the world more um, next to people that are far from him, next to people who don't know Jesus, right? To, to be living out my faith in the world, in the marketplace, so to speak. Um, and I believe that, that what, what has happened over the past six years of my life is that God has written a story into my life. He drew me into this church where he used all of you to help me find my way back to him. And I love telling that story because it's not my story. I mean, it's, it's something that happened to me, but it's about God and what God has done and his patience and his forgiveness and his grace and, and just how far away from him you can get and the fact that, that the truth that that doesn't matter, that he still loves you and he wants you to come home to him. Um, my life has been transformed by the love of Jesus, and that has made me passionate about other people's lives being transformed by the love of Jesus. And God has wired me in such a way that I just don't mind being around strangers. I don't mind being around people that I don't know very well. Actually, I kind of like it. Um, it gives me energy. Um, I joked with somebody the other day that, um, that I think people have two big fears in their lives. What's number one? What's your number one fear? What's people, what do people say your number one fear is? Public speaking, right? I'm doing that right now. <laughs> so that's not a big fear. The other one that I, I kind of invented, not invented, I inserted this one. I don't think it's on the list, but cold calling um, is, is another big fear that people have. I have yet to talk to a person, so that's basically what I do all day long. 
20 times a day, I go into a business where I don't know anybody. And I have to strike up a conversation with somebody, build a little bit of a relationship with somebody. And I have yet to tell somebody that and have them go do anything but, ew, why would you want to do that? Everybody thinks it sounds awful. But now, there are some things that are challenging about it, and there are some things that make me nervous about it. But I'm not scared of it. It doesn't sound gross to me. Um, so I'm, it, 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 because that's just the way God's made me. So in the past four weeks, I have walked into 400 businesses in a month, 400, which means I've probably met somewhere between four and 500 people that I didn't know before, which is a lot of people. When I say it out loud, that sounds really crazy. Um, but after that month and after all of that, that stuff that I've done, I'm, I'm more confident than ever that God has me right where he, where, right where he wants me. He's, he's written an amazing story on my life, <clears throat> and he's put me around a whole bunch of people that could benefit from hearing it. Um, and what I want to do with our time today is, and it's not going to be all about me, trust me, I'm not just going to sit here and talk about my job, because that would be boring for me and for you. Um, but I do want to just kind of share what I've learned. Um, I think this is, a, I'm in a unique place, because I think for a long time, as, as being a staff member, one of the things, one of the tensions that I've felt talking to people who are members of the congregation is when I talk about things that I would be doing in my faith, I, I got this general sense, and it's nobody specific or anything specific, but I got this general sense. It's like, well, yeah, but you get paid to do that, right? I get paid to be, I get paid to have faith. I get paid to have a relationship with God as a pastor, right? Well, now I don't. So I'm just like you, and I'm out in the world trying to be a father and a husband and a, and a, and a good worker and and a good friend, and a good neighbor, and all these things. And so now I have a little different perspective that hopefully can, can benefit um, all of us, including myself. Um, so I entered into this new job of mine with a couple of fears. Um, sometimes these fears felt really small, sometimes they felt really big. But I'm betting you can relate to these things. My first concern was that this guy named Business Travis would come back out. Now, I don't normally refer to myself in the third person, but this is actually the way Alex described me. Alex knew me before, well, in the beginning of my relationship with Jesus and after. Business Travis is a guy that just cares about succeeding in business, and that's who I was before I met Jesus. All I cared about was being successful, at, and it didn't really matter what the cost was, right? So I wasn't exactly the nicest guy because people were a means to an end, mostly for me, um, and so... I really don't want that person to come back. I didn't, you know, people didn't really like him, and I don't really like him either. Um, so I have this fear that I'm going to fall back into old patterns. The other fear that I had is that I would fail at this job. Anybody ever fear that, that they're going to fail in their career? Yeah. It's a very real thing. Um, and this one was very real to me as well because not all of you know this, but I ended up on the staff at Finding Life Church because I got laid off from my job, uh, my previous job as a sales manager. And what happened, and this is what I believe happened to me, is as I grew closer to Jesus, I began to prioritize people above being successful, and I didn't, that didn't make me better at my job, right? There were things that I, were, I was doing before that I wasn't comfortable with anymore, and so I, I was less effective at my job because I cared more about people. And eventually that led to my results not being as good, and, and I got laid off. <clears throat> And so I definitely have this fear, again, like, how am I going to square this? And, and because I love Jesus and I love people, am I going to be able to do a good job in this, or am I going to fail again? Um, so that's a fear. 
And, and as I started this job, I had these internal conversations. And it, it would sound something like this. Okay, Travis, you can't fail at this job. There's too many people depending on you. Um, so, you know, I started bargaining. I'm like, well, maybe I can just let business Travis out a little bit during the day, and then I can put him away when I go home, and, and all will be okay. How about that? Can people relate to that? You guys have that kind of thought process? Sometimes you're like, okay, now when I go to work, i got to be this person, or this isn't going to go well. And so I'm just going to be, be this person now, and then I'll be different when I go home. Um, I felt that way partly because I didn't want to fail, but also because walking into 20 businesses a day when you don't know anybody takes some self-confidence, right? If you walk in there and you are unsure of yourself, you are just going to get trampled. Um, and so I was kind of having, the, I was like, I had this mindset that, like, I don't care what people think, and I'm, I'm a big deal, and, and I don't, who cares if people aren't nice to me? Um, so that's kind of the process I've been going through. These past four weeks, I've really been trying to square what I do every day with who I am and how do those two things fit together. And I've been talking to God every day about it, and there's a couple of things that became very clear. Okay, one of them is that I'm just believing lies about a couple of different things. And I think these things are, hopefully these things ring true in your lives as well in one, shape, one way, shape, or form. Um, you know, Kevin's been talking for the past year about, about how, how can we become fluent in the gospel, right? The gospel isn't just something that you believe one time. You know, yeah, God loves me so much, he sent his only son to die for my sins so that I could have a relationship with him and so that I could spend eternity with him in heaven, right? That's not a one-time decision. Um, and if we treat it as a one-time decision, we're going to run into a lot of challenges as we live our life. It's, it's a moment-by-moment -moment decision to believe that truth and what it means for your life rather than believing a lie. So when I'm living in fear of failure, which I've been living in, I'm believing that God is not in the picture, that he has abandoned me, that he is not around, and that he doesn't care. And none of those things are true. And so the first thing that I have to do is recognize that my beliefs are off, and I have to, and I have to repent of that. And then in order for me to shift my beliefs, I have to start telling myself the gospel. And I have to do it over and over and over again. I have to tell myself... That the truth is that God does care. That he is with me. He hasn't left me. He's not outside of this. And I know that because, again, he sent his only son to die so that because he loved me, because he wanted to have a relationship with me. He did the same thing for you, too. So how else is he supposed to show us that he cares? Like, like what else can he do? What else can he possibly do other than that? And as I speak that to myself, my fear dissipates, and it's replaced with peace. And, and then the fear comes back, and I have to do it again, and it's just this constant back and forth. But I constantly tell myself that my security is not based on whether people like me or not. My security is not based on how good of a salesperson I am. Your security is not based on however good you are at your job. My security is based on Jesus dying for me. How much more of a secure place could I have than that? So as I've gone through this process, God has given me some clarity on how I can square what I do with who I am. And it just comes back, it comes back to one of our core values. If you've got your hand out, you notice the word authenticity is written at the top. So when I say the word authenticity, what's the first thing that comes in your mind? Whoa, did I lose you already? Real is better than perfect. He said it, he said it softly, right? I'm with you. Real is better than perfect, and that is... One of the things that has, um, I think, defined Finding Life Church, maybe, 
Like, it's one of the things that I, think, I thought of the most when I first became a part of this community. And it's what drew me in because I was like, man, this is a group of people that does not. They believe in Jesus, but they don't pretend like they have it all together. And my experience to that point in my life had been the opposite. But this morning, I want to flip this value on its head a little bit. And I want us to look at it from another angle. Because, yes, authenticity means being real instead of trying to pretend that we're perfect. But it also means being true, being true to who you are, every place that you are. In fact, if you look up the word authenticity in the dictionary, here's the definition you get. Being true to one's own personality, spirit, or character. And I believe that one of the biggest impediments, one of the greatest impediments to the movement of the gospel in our world today is not how many of us there are. It's that the people that are carrying the gospel keep it hidden away most of the day around most of the people that we're around. And I believe that to be true personally because personally within my first week back at work in the outside world, I tried to wall off God from my job because I thought I needed to to be successful. It took a week for me to do that. And we're all tempted that way, right? And maybe it's not our job. Maybe it's a different aspect of our life that we try to keep God out of. Right? We have these, these strongholds, these places in our heart that we're like, God, I'll give you all this, but I'm not going to give you that. So maybe it's not your work that is that for you. But I do believe that we all deal with this, right? We deal with, we're tempted to keep who we are hidden from a segment of people that we are around in our daily lives. So as we're going through this, I just want you to think about these, you know, these are rhetorical questions, but just answer them in your own head. What is it that keeps you from being authentic with everyone in your life? What keeps me from being authentic with everybody in my life? Why, why, why do we feel the need to be different people in the different places that we are? For me, it is a fear of being judged. That is absolutely what it is for me. My experience is that there are people in my life that don't like Christians. They don't like Christians because they've had a bad experience with somebody. Somebody judged them or was looked down their nose at, at them or... Um, you know, if anybody watches the news, there's just constantly it's, uh, political battles on the news. And so then I get associated, if I'm a Christian, I get associated with a certain kind of people that are saying something in particular on the news that day, whatever it is. Most of the time, it's so far from who I am as a person that it disgusts me, but I get lumped in with people like that. And that's just me letting fear rule in my heart again. The same thing. I'm afraid of people judging me or of people... Uh, of people misunderstanding me or thinking I'm somebody I'm not. Again, I'm believing that my security is built on people liking me, accepting me, and it's not. It's built on the love of God through Jesus Christ. And if I believe, if I believe that, if I prioritize that, if I, if I care more about God's opinion of me than I do of people's opinion of me, then, then I just need to be myself. I just need to be authentic and actually be that person and not be ashamed or embarrassed of who I am. How somebody else has treated that person has nothing to do with who I am and how I'm going to treat that person. Okay. So there's one text that I want us to focus on as we walk through this. So if you are the Bible, if you have a paper Bible and you like to get at it, get it out and read it, this would be a good time to get it out. If you use your smartphone and you want to follow along, um, we're just going to keep it super simple. It's just three verses this morning. 
And it's Matthew 5, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. I'll say that again just so that I give everybody a chance to, to get there. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And here's what it says. This is Jesus. Okay, so this is right around the time of uh, Jesus is sitting on a mountaintop and there's a whole bunch of people around. But then he brings his disciples in closely, which he did a lot. And, and he's teaching them specifically. And he says this. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Okay, so first and foremost, let's just focus on those first few words. Those first few words, you are the light of the world. Those words are big. That's a big deal that Jesus said that to his disciples. And by the way, he's saying that to you too. If, you, if you've given your life to Jesus, if he's your Lord and Savior, he's talking to you in these verses. You are his disciple as well. He's saying, you are the light of the world. The reason this is big is because um, Jesus also called himself the light of the world. Um, he frequently would get in these debates with the religious leaders of the day and and they all wanted to just, they all thought and believed that he was just a prophet from Galilee. And nothing good comes from Galilee, or Nazareth, sorry, I misspoke. Um, and so when Jesus comes back at them and he says, I am the light of the world, what he is saying is, I'm not just a prophet. I'm not just some no-name guy. I am the light of the world. God sent me to shine his light in every place on this planet. So now in Matthew, Jesus is saying to his disciples, which is us, that we are now the light of the world. Meaning it is now on us to show people who God is and what he cares about. And I say that because isn't that why Jesus came? Didn't Jesus come to show us in the flesh who God is and what he cares about? That's why he came. And so when he says, I'm the light of the world, you're the light of the world, he's saying to us, you are the same. You are here to show people who I am and what I care about. And we can't do that if we're hiding. We can't do that if we hide who we really are from people. We also can't do that alone, which is another reason that this, this lamp analogy is really good because lamps, of course, during this time, I even Googled a picture of a lamp and I should have brought it to put it up, but, but they had to be filled with fuel, right? To be, to be lit, to stay lit. And, and so do we. Right? If we're this lamp in this analogy, we have to be filled up. And, and Jesus did as well. Remember, like as we go through, the, the gospel writers are writing about Jesus and what he did. Jesus constantly went away from everybody and prayed alone. And he was always very connected with God. He was only the light of the world because he was connected to the source of the light. He was always connected to the Father. When he would say, when he would talk about um, why he has authority to say what he says, he always would say, I didn't come to do what I wanted to do. I came to do what the Father has told me to do. I and the, I and the Father are one. So the next question is, well, how do you make sure that your lamp is full? And everybody has different ways of going about this. The key is that we have to do something. We have to do something on our own. Like, just coming here on a Sunday is not enough. Daily, we have to, it is a, is a daily battle for us to stay connected to the Father. So it can't be just a Sunday thing. It has to be an everyday thing. 
For me, it's two things. One, I have to start every day in prayer. Um, it doesn't mean it's always right when I wake up, because to be honest, I have this, this habit of getting up and needing to wake up, because I'm not a morning person. Um, and so I have an energy drink, and I watch SportsCenter for a little bit. <laughs> That's the first thing I do. But then I pray. Um, at some point before I get to work, I pray. Um, and I'm usually praying for Jasmine and the kids. I'm praying for people that I work with. I'm praying for the things that I need God's help with during the day and mostly just staying focused on him and his purposes rather than mine. And, and so I pray. And then I park my car. And in the, in the parking lot, I, have, uh, I started a Bible reading plan on the Bible app, and that's a super easy way to do it. <clears throat> and I'm actually doing the one that Kevin suggested, which is read through the New Testament in one year. And I'm a little behind because I miss days, um, but I'm somewhere in Romans right now, and so usually it's a chapter a day that it gives me to read, and I can read that, and I can think about it, let it soak in a little bit, and then I go into the office, and so that helps me just stay focused and to make sure that my lamp is full, because if I don't do those two things, then I'm, my lamp is empty, and I'm pulling from my own power and my own strength, and on my own strength and my own power, I cannot represent Jesus well throughout the day. I just can't. And that brings us to the last part of this passage. Excuse me. <clears throat> this always happens. I came prepared this time. So the last part of this passage says, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone. A lamp isn't hidden away or put under something. It is, right, it's placed in a prominent place, like these lights up here. That's in a prominent place where it can light the whole room. And, and the lamp has a specific purpose, which is to make sure everybody can see, right? That's what the purpose of the lamp is. You, you are, the, you are that lamp. Think of yourself as that lamp. I am that lamp. And God, he's put you in a prominent place, hasn't he? He's put you in a prominent place. He didn't hide you away from people. He's surrounded you with people. And I'm willing to bet that he's surrounded you with people who don't believe in him, don't know who he is and what he's about. And you're put there for a purpose. He did that on purpose. He didn't do that on accident. He did that on purpose. Just like Jesus came to show people in the flesh who God is and what he cares about, God has put you wherever he has put you, right? Because Jesus passed that torch to us, and he has put you there for a reason. He wants to fill up you, your lamp, with himself, and then he wants you to let it shine. He wants you to let it shine for everybody to see. The key word in that in that those verses is all, right? It says, it says shine for all to see. Not just for your church friends to see. Not just for your family to see. But for everybody to see. The people you run into on the street, wherever you are, the people that you work with, the people in your neighborhood, the people at your kids' sporting events. And, and, you know, that doesn't mean that everywhere you're, you go, you're just walking around going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You're just always talking about Jesus everywhere you go. That's not what that means, right? You're representing him in word and in deed with what you do and with what you say. It just means be you. If, if that's who you are, if you are a follower of Jesus, be that. 
Be that person. Be the real you. Be the real you everywhere you go. And I think that's really the next question that we all kind of have to deal with and ask ourselves is, who are we really? Who are you really? Who am I really? Is it the person that I am right now? Is that the real me? Is it the person I am at work? Is that the real me? Is it the person I am at home? Is, is that the real me? And I think this is why um, identity is so important. We talk about identity all the time, and I think we get kind of, we kind of, our eyes roll back in our head a little bit because it is something that we frequently talk about. And we frequently talk about it because Peter and Paul frequently talked about it in every single letter that they wrote to a church. They, they wrote about it. Because how can we be effective in spreading God's light throughout the world if we have all these different identities that aren't centered on, centered on him? And I can see why we fall into this trap, right? Because I'm in this last month, I'm, I have this desire to fit in. And we all kind of have this desire to fit in, right? So we go to work. And that, the place I work has a personality. And I want to fit in there. Like, I would love for people to, to like me there. Um, we go to work and we try to fit in. We go home and we, whatever our role is in our house and our family, we have a role to play in a place where we fit and we want to fit there. We move into a neighborhood and our neighborhood has a personality and we want to fit into that. We go to church and our church has a personality and we want to fit in there too. And so we end up being a little different person everywhere that we are. I guess what I'm saying more than anything this morning is that we just need to decide who we are. Like just decide, just decide who am I and then be that person every day. Be that person everywhere you go. If you've decided that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then you've surrendered your life to him, then, then your identity is clear. Right? You're a child of God, first and foremost. You're adopted into God's family through the sacrifice of his son. You might be a child of God that's a father or a mother. You might be a child of God that's a, uh, that's a student. You might be a child of God that is a teacher or a coach or a salesperson or a pilot or uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's what I've learned these last four weeks. As I've wrestled with, gone back and forth with everything, I just need to be myself. That is the way that I'm going to do all these things well. I have to be the person that I am everywhere that I go. I am not a salesman. That's not who I am. Right? If, I, if, that, if, that was, if I was going to define myself by that, well, then I'd be selling everywhere I went, right? I'd be selling to you. I'd be selling to you. I'd go home at night. I'd be selling to my family. I'd be... I'd, Go into my neighborhood. I'd be walking around selling all the time. It sounds exhausting to do that. But that's not who I am. I am a son of God. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, I get all the rights and privileges that come with being a part of his family, right? But I also have a new purpose. We all have a new purpose to show people who God is and what he cares about. And that's who I need to be at home. That's who I need to be with my neighbors. That's who I need to be with my coworkers when I'm out making sales calls and when I'm here with you. And trust me, I don't do it perfectly. I don't do it even close to perfectly. Um, there are, in every single one of those places, there are times when, when, you know, I lead my family well to God and there's times when I don't. There's times when I'm, Better. There's times when I don't feel like connecting with neighbors, even though I, I, that's who I am. Is I'm, I'm a person that wants to go out and connect with neighbors and build relationships. There's times when I don't feel that way. So 
In all of these cases, none of us are going to do it perfect, and we have to recalibrate ourselves from time to time. But that doesn't change who we are at a fundamental level, who we are as a person. Um, and as I wrap up today, I'll go ahead and invite the band back up. Um, I just want to kind of run through what this has looked like for me. Um, I think sometimes we talk about stuff like this and it gets a bit theoretical and it's like, well, how does this, how do I apply this to my life or, or what's it actually look like? That's why I'm excited for this series that, um, for the series to continue when Kevin comes back because we talked a lot about a lot of vision the last three weeks. And vision is good because you kind of have to, you have to know where you're going and what you're aiming at. But it's also good to know what we're going to, what we're doing. Like, what are the, what are the things that I'm going to do? And, and so that's the next four weeks and it's going to be great. Um, so here's what, here's what I'm kind of trying to work with for, for a day. Before I get to work, I already mentioned this. I spend time praying. Um, I, I get into God's word and I do all that stuff. And then I, and then I walk into my office. And in my office, I just try to be me, like who I am on Sunday morning. What my, my wife described me as an excitable guy, and I just, that's who I am, and so that's who I am there. I, when I first got to that place, and I love the people I work with, but they were really way too serious for me. Like, it was just, we got stuff to do, and we got to get this done. And, and so I've just tried to bring a little bit of a lighthearted uh, vibe to the place and, and to make people laugh, and it's, it's, it's already a little different environment than when I started. Uh, there's a little more joking, a little more laughing going on than there was in the beginning, which is great, because I can't take all the seriousness. Um, then I head out and make my calls for the day, and before I, uh, before I go into a business, I have to get my mind in the right place, okay? In the beginning, I would, like, get myself all pumped up and tell myself how awesome I was and that I could do it and that it would be fine and I don't care what people think of me. And, and now, that's just not who I am. And so... I have to change my mindset. Who I am is a person that really cares about people. Every person, who they are, where they came from, what they've been through in their lives. So that's who I am when I walk in. I'm excited to go meet somebody new. I'm excited to learn about them. And then I let God take it wherever he wants to take it. Sometimes I get into a really deep conversation. Sometimes people share things with me that I'm like, you're sharing that with a stranger. <laughs> you don't know me. Um, Sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I learn a lot about somebody and then the beginnings of a relationship start. Sometimes I get to talk about Jesus, sometimes I don't. Um, when people ask me to do what I do for a living, though, what I used to do for a living, I tell them. I'm honest. And sometimes it just comes up naturally because when something's such a big part of your life, how could it not come up naturally, right? No different than if you had a hobby, right? Whatever your hobby is, you're super excited about it and you talk about it, it just comes out of you. Right? My faith just comes out of me because it's important to me. Um, 1 Peter 3.15 says that we should worship Christ as Lord of our lives, and if somebody asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And I think that's it right there. That's it. Worship Jesus. Love Jesus. Pray to him. Be connected with him in his word. And you will live your life with this peace and joy and hope that just doesn't make sense to the world around us. Is it always that way, every single day, every single moment? No. But that's, it, that's the way, it, it, that's tra the trajectory of it. If we are connected with Jesus, we will live a life with more peace and hope and joy, and people will want to know what is up with that. 
And that's the lamp on the stand for all to see. And if we let our true selves shine for everyone to see, people will want to know where that light comes from. And that light, we just have to be ready to explain where it comes from, right? It comes from Jesus. It's not mine. I didn't create it. It came from him. Let's pray quick and we'll worship some more. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Um, thank you for the reality that we are a part of your family. What an amazing truth that is that you have, you have purchased our place in your family by, the, by sending your only son to die for us. And, and thank you for all of the things that that means. Um, God, I know it's not easy for us to, we fear a lot of things. There's a reason that we, we, we are a little bit different in the different places that we are. And it's different for each of us. And you know each of our hearts, God. But we have a fear of whatever. And it keeps us from being ourselves all the time. And I just pray this week um, that, God, you would change that in us. That you would give us a confidence and a security in who we are in you that we wouldn't get so worried about what people think. And that we would just be ourselves. And that we would love people and listen to people, and care about people in ways that others don't because, because of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.